This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we unjumble an important and sometimes under the radar statewide issue that affects you. It seems like the more we hear about the negotiations in Congress over the infrastructure bill and the Build Back Better reconciliation package, the more the initiatives and actual policies that make up those bills get lost in the sauce. Fortunately, you've got us to catch you up on the things that aren't getting enough attention. And one of those things is what both of these packages might mean for the auto industry, especially for the huge switch to electric vehicles that car companies are actually starting to get serious about now. You may have heard the auto industry is kind of a big deal here in Michigan. Uh, Here to talk about it is someone who has been watching these issues really closely. Michigan State Senator Mallory McMurrow is a Democrat from Royal Oak, representing Michigan's 13th State Senate District. She was appointed by Governor Whitmer to the Council on Future Mobility and Electrification, and she's the co-chair of the Michigan Legislative Automotive Caucus. Uh, Senator McMurrow, welcome to Mishmash. Hi, both. Thanks for having me. So talk us through what's the broader overview of what's at stake for electric vehicles and especially EV production here in Michigan with these bills. So from the broad, high-level view, this is our signature industry. We have more jobs and more economic development in the auto industry than any other industry in the state. And we are at a turning point now where the entire industry is shifting and shifting rapidly. I equate this to from when we went to horses and carts to cars for the first time. We are now at that transformational point again. And if we don't lean in and position ourselves to catch up to where the industry is going, we're going to lose it, not only to other states, uh, but to China, who is investing very, very heavily in electrification, wants to get into selling in the United States. So this is our moment. And these bills on the federal level are going to jumpstart what we're able to do here in Michigan to make sure that we are leading the country on, on EV development. And let's talk about the provision specifically that would add a network of 500,000 new charging stations along roads and highways by 2030. How far would that go? And I mean that quite literally toward making uh, sure that this kind of changes the game up for EVs in terms of attracting new people, new consumers to think, hey, maybe this is something I could get into. So that's been a billion or, you know, if you're going on this bill, $15 billion question is, What do we need first? Is it the vehicles or is it the infrastructure? And I think especially over the last year, we are seeing the auto industry invest heavily in trucks, SUVs. Hummer is coming back as an EV brand. So now it's no longer, you know, you're not an early adopter driving a small, sensible vehicle. The vehicles are there. So now we need the infrastructure side of it so that it is as easy as it is to pull off the side of a road to a gas station right now that we don't even think about when we go on road trips. It is a different model. Um, I drive an EV. I plug it in every night. I leave in the morning. I don't stop between here and Lansing. So it's kind of like thinking about your cell phone. Every time you're not using it, you're charging, especially if you can do that at home. But that public infrastructure, if you want to take a trip, if you want to go up north, is really going to ensure that this is easy and accessible for everybody. One thing I'm really curious about is sort of the COVIDness of it all, if you will. We know that the auto industry has been in a weird spot. And the the supply chain has been really wrecked as we continue to get through this pandemic. How is that impacting this shift to electric vehicles? 
I mean, it is impacting everything. When you drive by any dealership right now, you will see that they've kind of pushed the cars that they do have to the front of the lot. But if you look behind it, I mean, most lots are are empty right now. And addressing the supply chain issue is going to be huge. But a huge way that we can do that in this shift to EVs is really putting an emphasis on manufacturing more of the parts in the United States, making sure that we're manufacturing batteries here and components, um, making sure that all the sensors, if we've got some driving assist features on the vehicles are developed here in the United States. And I think that is something that Michigan can and should lean into very, very heavily um, because there is a shift. You know, I think we've realized with COVID how fragile our supply chain is and there's a renewed effort to want to make more back here in the United States. What are some of the things that have caught your eye and the things that you think are most important in both the infrastructure bill and also there's some money in the Build Back Better package as well? Um, You know, what are what are some of the things that you think people should be paying attention to related to EVs? There's a lot in there. And I think you guys nailed it on the head with when we talk about federal policy, it gets so wonky. And we're talking about reconciliation and $3.5 trillion versus $2 trillion versus now it might be less. Um, It's really hard to wrap your head around a how much money that is, but also what all of that means. So I love talking about just what's in it and what does it mean for for residents, for all of the people who might benefit from it. So some of the cool things in there, you know, the investment in the charging infrastructure is huge. 500,000 new chargers across the country, um, which in my mind is as exciting as when, you know, Route 66 was built and you were able to drive from coast to coast and go on road trips and kind of fall in love with travel. Um, But there's also incentives because right now EVs, are really still for early adopters, for people who are higher income, even the most affordable models are, you know, $35,000 and up right now. Uh, so there's a $4,500 incentive for American union made EVs, uh, which I think is exactly where we need to be as we move towards attacking climate change and sustainability. We need to also not lose sight of, you know, making sure these jobs pay well and ensure that a family can support themselves and have all the worker protections that, that you know, especially in Michigan, our labor unions have fought for so hard for. Uh, so those are just a couple of the things that are in there that are really exciting. One of the big things that people constantly come back to when it comes to auto industry is ensuring that the money will be spent in Michigan. Like that's what the Michiganders are always focused on. So how sure are we that this money would be spent in Michigan I mean, could the auto companies choose maybe instead to spend that money down south or outside of the country? So it's a great question. We just saw that with Ford, right? I think that was a hit to all of us to see the investment in the south. You know, great that there's $11 billion of investment into EVs, but a real hit that it wasn't in Michigan. And when you really start to dig into all of the reasons why Ford said that, you know, Michigan wasn't even really considered for this was talent that the just the sheer volume of talent that is going to be around the sites that they cited um, site readiness so making sure that these spaces are ready to go that they're large enough that they're kind of plug and play when you get in there um, energy costs you know Michigan's energy costs are higher so when you look at all of what is in Build Back Better. There's a lot related to childcare, and that may seem disconnected from the auto industry, but we have seen 
women leave the workforce in record numbers and not even be on unemployment anymore, just decide, you know, I'm going to make it work, I'm out. And we have more job openings in Michigan now than we have people to fill them. So it's all of these things together that don't seem connected. But if we can solve childcare, which is a huge part of Build Back Better, we unlock a huge section of the workforce in working parents and largely women who are skilled and talented and passionate and want to come back and will be that carrot for companies to say, I want to invest in Michigan because the talent is there. I was actually talking to a couple of good friends, both of whom work for Ford, and we were chatting about this decision uh, that Ford made to build this factory down south. And the more we were talking about it, the more I felt myself kind of worrying a little bit about how the switch to EVs, you know, companies talking about making their entire fleets EVs uh, in not too distant future, considering how big of a switch that is, and what that might mean for it maybe being a catalyst for less presence here in Michigan. And I'm wondering what what you think of that as someone who has been watching this really closely. Um, You know, is it possible that we're, you know, this this thing that I think most of us would say is a good thing, this investment in EVs, could it also be not such a great thing for Michigan's economy specifically? So I would say, yes, it's a potential threat unless we recognize it and prepare for it. You know, I think regardless of what happens with Build Back Better, the automakers are making these decisions. This is where the industry is going, you know, not even just for the, the sustainability aspect anymore, but because this is where the entire industry is going for business reasons. This is where international and, and foreign automakers are going. I mean, and, and we have to recognize that. And this is something that I've been trying to promote since taking office is it's not going to be like it always was. You know, we make pickup trucks and SUVs and we manufacture better than anybody else, but the industry is changing. So it's not the same uh, kind of nuts and bolts, if you will, that it always was. We're going to need more soft skills. We're going to need software engineers. We're going to need people who understand how to work with batteries and volatile chemicals and how these things work together. And I think that's a huge opportunity for Michigan. Um, You know, we've seen, some issues with Tesla, who I think figured out that making a car is really, really hard. You know, some of the basics of door hinges fitting together and pieces not necessarily having that quality control that that we have here, you know, physical products are hard. Um, So where I think, you know, Silicon Valley and maybe some of the South has the software and the tech side that we need to catch up to, we know manufacturing and manufacturing durable goods better than anybody else. So let's recognize where the industry is going and make up in that space so it stays here. And we have people all around the country saying, this is where you need to do this work. So before we move on to another topic, I'm going to put you on the spot really quick. I hope you don't mind. So as someone uh, personally who's an, interested in 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 buying an EV next time I'm you know in the market for a car, right now I'm, I'm planning to drive my current car until it just won't start again. Uh, as but you <laughs> but once once that happens, which will someday unfortunately happen, um, you know I'm I'm pretty serious about wanting to get an EV. Um, you know I've got two small kids, so uh, back seat space for for car seats and trunk space is a huge deal. Um, and uh, I'm also you know this is public radio. I can't afford a really expensive car, and I right. found myself like kind of at a loss for options in in the market. Uh, you know, if you know, what's what's your advice for me as someone who uh, knows the market better than me? 
So it's a huge challenge. So I have been driving a Chevy Bolt now since 2017. Um, it's a small car. It fits a baby seat. It's actually a little larger on the inside than I think it looks. So I can fit the stroller and mm-hmm. some of the stuff, but you're right. You know, I think for a lot of people who kind of want that small to midsize sort of crossover or, or, you know, kind of family hauler, um, they're not there yet, but they're coming. And I think that's, what's exciting about seeing, you know, Ford, GM, Stellantis, their kind of investment in this, the fact that Jeeps are going to be EV is coming. So if you want, you know, a grand Cherokee or something that is kind of that larger SUV, that's going to fit all that stuff, it will be on the marketplace. And hopefully Jake, it will be there by the time your car finally does die. Cross my fingers. Yes. <laughs> I too am hoping to get an electric vehicle as soon as my car completely dies. The check engine light has been on for a very long time. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm hoping that things will be even better by the time it finally does die. Um, yeah. But moving on from electric vehicles, the tampon tax, the legislation that has been tried again and again and again to get rid of the tax on feminine hygiene products actually has seen movement. It moved out of committee to the Senate floor. I mean, is this going to be the year? Is this going to happen? I think this is going to be the year. You know, this is, I picked up working on this legislation in 2019. So I've been working on it for three years. Senator Brinks, who's my colleague in the Senate, has been working on it for, I believe, eight years since her time in the House. And somebody critiqued me on on Twitter today. They said, you know, how could you possibly be working on this for three years? It's so simple. Um, <laughs> and they're not wrong. You know, this is very simple. It's, it's half of our population pays a tax on products that are medically necessary that we have to use that the other half of the population does not. Um, And this, it feels like it's going to happen. I mean, we've seen bipartisan support on this. It moved through the house. It moved out of Senate finance committee yesterday uh, and is on the floor. So I hope it gets taken up next week or very soon before the end of the year. And, and remind us again, you know, what is your pitch? What's your elevator pitch on, on this for people who maybe haven't paid that much attention to the fact that, again, this is something that we've been working on for, for years now and have, have debated for years now? Um, you know, what, what is your what's the elevator pitch for you? I mean, the elevator pitch is for a lot of people. I mean, I remember I've been working since I was 12 years old and working minimum wage. The first time that I had to buy a box of tampons at work, I remember viscerally. I was like, it, it took a whole hour of work for me to afford this. And my brother who works at the same place, he doesn't have that experience, right? He can go buy a sandwich or a pop or whatever. And that is it. And it feels like such a small thing, but you think about the average woman uses 17,000 tampons in our lifetime. It adds up. It's every single month. It's for a significant portion of your life. And it is just one of those things that kind of chips away and chips away at just general fairness. So my pitch um, is this is tax fairness. It is just leveling the playing field. You know, it would be one thing if it was another product that some people bought and other people didn't, but it is half the population need to use it. The other half doesn't. It's unfair. And we should follow 14 other states that have already eliminated this tax. Do you have a sense of what's changed, though? Why, why, why is this the year? Yeah, it's a great question. I think that the writing has been on the wall um, and it's been on the wall for a while that women are a force to be reckoned with. You know, we saw a record number of women run for office, take office in 2018. But we've also seen just constituent advocacy is, is largely led by women now. So it's just something where, you know, on the Republican side of the aisle, 
tax fairness is, is a real issue. That is something that has always been on the agenda. And I think it is just, it is an area where we have common ground. And like I said, it's been worked on, worked on and worked on and messaged for years. And it is now, and it feels like low hanging fruit. This is something where our, our values align and there's no reason we shouldn't get it done. State Senator Mallory McMorrow, thank you so much for joining us here on Mishmash. Thanks, Shane and Jake. All right, that's all for Mishmash. I'm Jake Neer. And I'm Shana Roth. Thanks for listening.